0: Uh, this morning, as we uh, look at the scriptures, I want to encourage you. Uh, something that we're launching in under two weeks, actually, I think it's on February the twenty second, is our Grief Share. And uh, for those who have um, had loved ones who have passed, or you're suffering a loss of some type in your life, you know there's hope for all of us. And um, you know, sometimes people are concerned about group settings uh, for this type of thing. We want you to know that it's personal and, and there is a corporate aspect to it. But uh, the people, I'm not only going to be facilitating this, Robin and I, uh, they're going to be people who have walked through grief, who are going to share some things uh, that offer hope to us in everyday living because uh, sometimes we find ourselves in places that uh, we'd rather not be, and we've got to make that journey. So if you are, would like to join us, it'll be here at the church, what, what time? Seven, on Tuesday, the, February the 22nd, and then there'll, there'll be a series of uh, meetings. And uh, we ask you to come prepared. We, we've purchased material for this, and uh, it, there are a number of you who have committed to being a part of it, And uh, we want you to be, for weeks ago, we had ordered this material uh, because we believe that it will be helpful to people and and provide hope for uh, people and practical help. Isn't that a good thing? Hope and practical help. And we want to provide the practical helps that people need to to navigate life after loss. And so, uh, if uh, it's not your cup of tea, we understand but if you don't know, come and have a cup and find out, and God will bless you. But anyhow, this morning I want to talk to you for a few moments about the living the life of the well, the life of someone who has lived well. You know, at the end of your days, you may accomplish a lot of things, but I guess really the most important thing will be whether or not you live this life well if you embrace the, the sacred trust that the Lord has bestowed upon you well, uh, that, you know, we, we've lived this life and we finish it out without regret. And, uh, you know, we don't leave uh, unfinished business. You know, when I say that, if we've got to take care of some relational issues in our families, in our relationships, uh, we need to do that. We need to invest in in those relationships so that um, they can be what God intends for them to be. This morning, as we look at the scriptures, I'd like for you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Hey, Robin, I'm sorry. Can I have a bulletin? Is there a bulletin laying over there? And uh, you've got a bulletin, and there's a little uh, outline or a little guide through the message. So if you, it, thank you, if it'll help you to follow. Uh, we're going to provide that, and I actually am asking everyone that, that speaks here at Bethel uh, to submit that to Diane before uh, your sermon so that she can put it together. It's a little half-sheet handout and has some information regarding, uh, you know, what we're, we're, we're doing here uh, today. So, 2 Timothy 1, uh, verse 5, it says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith That is in you, which dwelt first in your uh, grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded is in you also. Verse 13 says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Verse 14, But you must... "...continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the men of God may be complete thoroughly furnished or equipped for every good work. You know Timothy was a young man and God works among the young folks. Does some tremendous things. He raises up voices uh, to represent Him in every demographic of life, and and uh, young people are no exception. Sometimes we think of them as uh, being those who will one day have a voice or a presence that will be felt. But I believe that it's God's intention, especially in the day that we live, for those voices to and those and that presence to be heard and felt sooner than later. God wants to raise up young people to do great things for Him. And we need to be encouraging our young people on a personal level. Uh, you know, the church can only speak into your children's lives, you know, a couple times a week. And, and if we have some additional things, but you have a direct line of communication that needs to flow into the lives of your children and your grandchildren each and every day. Because you're really laying the foundation for who they'll become in Christ You're giving them the substance and providing it to them through the Word of God uh, that will become the constitution of their lives and their their faith. And so I ask you today as the church of Christ not to wait for others to raise your children up into their identities, but that you would pour into your children and grandchildren uh, that essential knowledge of who they are in Christ. How many know that's the greatest trust you've been given? If you've been given children, then you, need, you and I need to be faithful to that calling before any other calling. Because, you know, we cannot neglect those who are in our homes and in our lives and then expect uh, that we have the same... Uh, you know, what, what, you know, the same kind of uh, focus that we would have if we really applied these principles close to home. It would be like me preaching this today and not putting it into practice in my personal life. You know, Timothy was raised uh, by a, a, a Christian. He had Christian influences in his life. His father was not a believer per se, at least for a portion of his life. His, his mother and grandmother were believers, but his father was not. And uh, in the Roman world, fathers had uh, absolute authority over the family, and Timothy's father was not a Christian, and so the home was probably not the most ideal setting for those who would uh, be raised in, uh, under a Christian influence if it had not been for his mother and his grandmother, who either led him to the Lord grounded him in his faith. You know, God wants to use parents and grandparents to pass on the eternal legacy uh, to their children and grandchildren. Now, I love casting crowns, and I know, but I know there's a psalm that they say they're not, they're not concerned with leaving a legacy. Well, it's not about so much leaving uh, us as it is leaving a trail for others to follow in Christ. You know, that's really the legacy I'm talking about today, a legacy of faith. And absolutely, the Lord recognized the legacy of um, Lois and Eunice. He recognized it. You know, so to say that it's not important is really not true. It is important, uh, the life that we live and the legacy of faith that we leave behind. It's absolutely critical. You can call it whatever you want. But whatever we leave behind for others to remember about us, not only as as to who we were naturally and physically, uh, but who we were spiritually you know, that's important for them to know. That's important for children to see it and to know it. And Timothy was blessed that even though his father was was not a Jew, and even though his father was not a believer, Timothy was raised with a Christian influence in his life. You know, as I've shared, and you know, I wanted everybody to be one thing to be clear. I shared a lot of stories um of uh, of things and people that we've encountered in our lives and it's by no means here to build up myself up or my wife it's just sometimes it's good to remember and to reflect upon why we're here as christians you know because this all has to affect people it doesn't if we're just coming in here and forming our faith and then never putting it into practice into a relational uh, aspects then we we are missing out on why it is that we're here because whatever happens here is helping you to live this life outside of here and it's helping me to live my life beyond the four walls of this building, and it's going to help you to not only live outside the walls of this building, but it's going to help you to live under the roof that you dwell under every day of the week and out among those in the world and in the context of your daily life. When Paul left Lystra, he took Timothy uh, with him, and he began a mentor relationship with him, and we need mentors today, people who will invest time in other people. Sometimes it seems as though the the greatest impact is felt in the mass groupings of people that get together, but in reality, it's the smaller groups that really are the most powerful at times. Because there's that intimate personal time for relationship and connection with people. And the most important part of your faith is that people see Christ in you. You know, it's one thing to preach at people. You can know a lot and share a lot, but they want to, people are not looking at what you know. They want to see it in practice. They want to see it fleshed out, right? They want to see what a believer is, not what we tell them it is, but what that's important too, but what they actually see in our lives. Our kids have to see that. How many know that your children need to see Jesus in you? They need to see Jesus in their grandparents because if they don't see that, there's no desire for it. And as much as I've heard people over the years suggest that their faith in Christ was the reason that their kids rebelled, I want to tell you, that's a lie from the pit. The suggestion that your faith is what drove your children away from healthy and good things is an absolute lie. How many know that God would never want you to believe that He was the reason that your children are not serving Him? You know, I realized that Jesus came and brought a sword that would divide people within a household, but he also, we also have what Joshua said when he said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He says, you know, primarily you make your choice, but our choice is to serve the Lord. And so as we, we think about this today, you know, Paul says, I'm persuaded that it is in you also. You know, it wasn't enough for Timothy to be raised uh, with, a, with the influence of a godly grandmother and mother, but he had to have his own personal relationship with Christ. Are we helping others to cultivate a relationship with Jesus? You know, sometimes that's best done in an intimate setting, a one on one setting, you know, with people, helping them to cultivate a Christian lifestyle. You know, because a lot of times it's easy to run behind a podium and tell everybody what they need to do. But we need many more than that to be out there helping people to cultivate and to build a Christian life. Because we can stand here in church and tell them what they need to do. But unless we're coming alongside of them and helping them to implement the principles of God's word, we're really just preaching to ourselves. Boy, that one! Did you hear that little cricket going? I don't know what they make. I can't do it. Little church mouse scurrying across. I hope that's because you're thinking about what God is saying, because you are here to hear what God has delivered, right? I hope when you, when, I hope you're hearing Him. I don't. It doesn't matter to me what you think of me as much as you need to hear God. You need to hear from God. And as you come here in the house today, you know it wasn't so much about Paul as it was that uh, that Timothy see Christ in Paul, and you know we've got to invest in people in that manner. You know Paul exhorts Timothy to to be bold. You know as you look at that, we need to be bold. There has to be a boldness, not not a, not an arrogance. Not this self-promoting thing that happens so oftentimes, and we call it the anointing when it's really nothing more than the annoying. When you think about it, we need to be Holy Spirit bold. We've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to be, there has to be humility. How many here would say you you and I could grow a little more in our humility before God and others? You know, humility, you know, uh, pride will never recognize that need. Pride will always convince me that I don't need to humble myself to anyone or to anything. But you know, when we have that raw, visitation of the Holy Spirit, and we're able to listen, knowing that God loves us. He calls us to boldness and humility. And just like grace and truth are inseparably joined in Christ, we can have boldness and humility joined together as well. Because people think you, you can't be bold You can't speak, you can't love fiercely. And I'm going to say this, if you have a fierce personality, I pray that before, more than anything, you'll have a fierce love for others. Come on, church. You know, over the years, I've known people who would repeatedly, and I've said this, uh, they, they, they really didn't invest in relationships, but they love to tell people the way it is you ever hear that statement? Maybe you've used it, I just tell it the way it is. Well, sometimes we're telling it more the way we think it is. We're telling from our point of view. We need to be able to speak the truth of God's Word in love, with boldness and humility, married, married together, because that's a beautiful delivery of God's Word. When it's married, when you have Holy Spirit, boldness and humility, and it's not fake, Come on, church. We can talk, can't we? You know, God commended uh, Lois and Eunice for their genuine faith. Genuine faith. They weren't hypocrites, they weren't one thing in front of others and one thing among their children and their family members. What they were in home was what they were among others, right? And that's what got and it's being refined and grown in Christ. You know, certainly we relate to people in different ways and different contexts. Some people, you know, when you're at work you behave differently maybe than you do at home, but your character needs to be manifest consistently. That doesn't change. You don't lay down your ethics when you go to work, right? You don't lay down your ethics and your morals and your values when you go, you know, your morals and values aren't one thing at home and another thing somewhere else. Those morals are the guiding principles for how you live your life at home and how you live your life out among others. Come on, how many are with me this morning? I know we're, it's, uh, it's, well, I don't know what it is. Groundhog Day's passed. And, uh, you know, it's really lost its meaning on me, Groundhog Day was once a great celebration of a giant rat, but, uh, you know, now, now they've got groundhogs everywhere. I feel sorry for, what's his name, Punxsutawney Phil. You know, Timothy was a meek and mild, and, and yet he was very much a, 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 he was a vessel to be used by God, and he was so mild and timid that Paul had to call out of him this boldness that not allow anyone to despise him or to look down upon him because he, he was a young man, but he called that boldness out of him. I'm going to tell you, when you serve the Lord, you don't become a doormat. Oh, poor me, picking on me and a victim. You know, we're not called to be that. We got to be. We stand in in who Christ has raised us up to be. We don't only speak the words that Christ spoke, but we reflect the character of Christ. A lot of people can preach and teach and speak and do, but it's the character of Christ in you that will affect my, many more people than your words will ever convince. Right. Because, you know, if, people know me as Pastor Rick because they see me standing behind the pulpit, and then in life they see something else. You know, one time, uh, you, uh, when I was in Lancaster, you know, uh, my biggest problem is uh, is other people. No, I'm just kidding. When I get on the road, you know, I want my own road. I don't want you obstructing my path or get riding me or cutting it. And there was this person that came flying by, and and cut me off, and, you know, normally I'm old now, so my uh, my eyesight's not the greatest, my reflexes aren't as good as they used to be when I, I would not allow someone to fly past me like that without a challenge, and that day I didn't. And I was on my way to visiting someone and, you know, the, the, I would, the, it's funny, I thought, well, this person, I didn't know who they were, you know, uh, this person, I was going to a home that I was being sent to by the senior pastor to make a contact with a family and I, fought, and I thought, wow, that's strange, this person, uh, you know, we've been dueling the whole way and they're going, making all the same turns I'm making. Funny thing is, they they turned into the driveway that I was supposed to turn into. And i got to tell you, that visit got rescheduled for another day. They didn't know I was coming. It was going to be a casual drop-in, and so I, I made sure I did that on another day in a different car. You know, one of the funny things is that you know, I, I, I want to live this life truer to the things that I profess so that the people that I'm influencing, as Paul influenced Timothy, they see something that can be emulated in Christ. People say, oh, don't look at me. You should never tell people that. They should be able to look at you and see Jesus, right? Oh, well, we're not perfect. We run around saying that. Oh, I'm not perfect. I'm not. The world knows. Everybody knows. And if you haven't discovered it yet, Think about it. The problem is we do need to have people who invite them to, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, it's all a matter of who you're following. And you know, this morning as we we talk about Paul and Timothy and the dynamic there, you know, Paul wanted to invest heavily in the development of this young man's sense of identity and in his ability to do what it was in being a minister of the gospel. Timothy already had a tender heart. How many you know there's nothing like a tender heart? Somebody that just has a tender spirit in them, and it's not a fake job. You say, well, what do you mean by it?" You know, Lois and Eunice were not fakes, right? They were genuinely people of, uh, that had a loving influence in the life of a young man who was going to affect the world. I'm almost done here. To live well is probably the, goal, the most noble of all goals. To live a life centered and rooted and growing upward in Christ. There are many people who are excellent at their craft. There are, there are many people whose performance is renowned and yet their character, in their character is a disparity between the the persona projected to others publicly and, and, and the close up view. You know, how many know that, you know, we look at all these models and people on magazine covers and you understand, right, that I don't know what the technique's called today. I'm behind, but they used to call it airbrushing you know they don't have zits or pock marks or you know they don't have a unibrow or anything like that they 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 doctor it up and they show the best uh, you know and we think well, you know and god forbid that uh you know we should think that like our husbands or wives should look like that every day cuz they don't look like that every day you know that And we don't live an airbrushed life when we're trying to influence others. You know, that's the one thing. Our kids always, they, they knew perfectly well that we weren't perfect, but they also knew that we owned it. And, and, and we used it as a growth opportunity in our personal lives as much as anything because, you know, that's the big thing. We, we teach people that they're to be this. And yet when they falter and they fail, we don't teach them how to get up and to continue on and to move forward oftentimes. We're demanding them to be or to perform, and that's never going to happen unless we are so heavily invested in building a relationship with them that allows Christ to just exude through us and to flow into their lives. It's never going to happen. So, anyhow... What we are in private is the most significant truth about us. There is the public persona that is often airbrushed, and enhan- it's the enhanced version. And that, and to, But to live well means that one lives acknowledging the creator as the author and the giver of life. To live well begins with the understanding that life is a sacred gift, a sacred trust, and a sacred opportunity. To live life well is to seize the investment opportunities that God has given us to minister to other people, to utilize the seeds of the kingdom to plant them and to water them and to believe God for an increase. People find ways to plant gardens in the unlikeliest of places, and sometimes that's what we have to do, sow seeds into the unlikeliest of places and to invest in the growth. We can't do anything, God, other than plant, water, sow, and to, to tend to it in that manner. God will bring an increase. You know, we have to demonstrate ingenuity and creativity as we invest in people's lives. We, we can't be threatened by other people uh, growing and developing and building. You know, God wants us to, to watch others, to encourage others to grow far beyond where we've gone. Amen? You know, there are some really gifted people who live in a world of paranoia that somehow somebody's going to take their position or somebody's going to, to 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 shine brighter in life. You know what I'm saying? Tremendously gifted. There are people in the church, there are people outside the church that just are so protective of, of that, you know, God wants us to give it away. Come on, church. God wants us to give it away. God doesn't want great, uh, let's say in, in church, he doesn't need great person, great presence here and great teachers there. He, he wants people who are teachers and who are servants who are, understand that the purpose of sharing is to sow and to give it away. It's not to build it up so we can flex our muscles and say, look at me and what I'm doing. Really, the Bible says, right, John said, i got to decrease so that he increases. The Word says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. We're not obsessed with self-promotion. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 2, let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. You know, as we, we, we make that our way down through and you're wondering where, when when, will he, when when's he going to hit that big point there. I'm wondering myself actually. You see, you have to understand something. When I come in here, I have I have a, That's why it's so hard. I think at times for me to flow. In and you know some are very gifted in that. But what I've shared with you today has been Holy Spirit authored. It wasn't part of what I planned to share with you. I mean it is part of it, but it's the paper I gotta get back to. And my, my biggest problem right now is I I can't half see the paper. Learn well. Let me give you at least one point. Learn well. Life conforms to a pattern. You know, if you pour water or jello in a mold It'll take on that shape. You know, if you use a cookie cutter, you press it into the mold, it'll look like whatever you want it to look like. And you know, whatever, whatever we, we surrender our lives to will affect the shape we take. Whatever it is, it takes on the prime, it takes on the shape of its primary. I don't know if that's influence. Is Diane, are you here? Is she here? Not here. Okay. I was going to ask her to bail me out here, but learning, learning requires A willingness to start A in pursuit of Z. The qualities of a good student are that we're we're willing to learn. How many students are in church today? Three? Four? All of us. Because when you stop breathing, you stop needing to be taught, right? Because you have arrived in the presence of the Lord. Some learning is book learning, and other learning can only be developed in real life day daily time. And we're offering this grief share because these aren't only people who are going to share with you from a, from a book, you know, a guideline, a counseling format. They're going to share with you from their personal experiences as well and how they navigated and walked through that process employing scriptural principles. We need the classroom and we need apprenticeship. God help us. You know, as you think about this scripture today, and you can look at Romans 8:29, for whom he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image. What image was it of his son? Is that what you said? Uh, that he might be the firstborn among many. Transformation is the product of, of a process as opposed to simply conforming. We're told not to conform to the world, but we are told to be transformed. Conformity means being pressed into a mold. And yes, we are to conform to Christ, but it's more than that. We are to be transformed by Him. You know, today, we love well, and life is only as rich as its relational health. Now think about that. Life is only as rich as the relational health that each of us have. You know, who, who are the influences in your life? Who are you influencing? Because here's the thing, you are, you and I are to subject our lives to the influences of godly people. And we are to, we are to come alongside others. And if you give, whatever influence you place upon another person's life needs to reflect integrity and value that you're not manipulating people and you're not trying to build a following for yourself. Cause we're not building our church, right? In fact, we're not even building God's church. Right? You say, Oh, I don't know about. It. Well, here's how I know about that. He said, I will build my church. He didn't say we would build it. He said, I will build my church. And as he is allowed to move through you and I, and his will is manifest in our relationships with others within the body, we're going to find that we're going to see the growth that God intends. As we hang on and we come down, we love well because life is only as rich as its relational health. The Bible says in Luke 2.52, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. We are meant to grow in the context of relationship. How many have heard the scripture, iron sharpens iron? We grow in relationship. The Bible says, uh, don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals, 1 Corinthians 15.33. The natural, emotional, mental acuity grows in relationship with the Father and with others. We always grow in relationship to someone or in the context of life. Proverbs twenty seven seventeen says, Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 3, verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Let us exhort one another. Let's, let's cheer one another on. You know, let's cheer for one another. Let's exhort one another. Come on, church, if you see someone who's fallen, what do you say? I knew it. No, you say, come on, let's get up. Put your hands down there and help them to get up. Come on, church. That's who we are. We don't devour the fallen. We don't run around gloating in their fall. Because people who tend to do that are people who don't understand that they're only here by the grace of God themselves. You know, this morning as we, we wind down, I said I was closing. I, you know, I I don't. I I am. I, um, First Timothy four six says that you know, uh, be as one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas, old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. You know, he says, focus on the core message, the foundation of your faith. Don't get caught up in all this stupidity that somehow just is embellished and enhanced in circles of Christianity debates and all these things that lead to nothing but just running and running and running and running and never arriving anywhere. We got to arrive. There has to be a destination. You know, the Bible says in in Titus 2, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, you know that's the that's the key to all of it that it be sound sound not only uh, ideolo- ideological yeah something like that and and practical I got to get that word give it to me Rob ideological I got it and practical I'm going to ask Joe to come he says speak these things exhort and rebuke with all authority let no one despise you. 1 Corinthians 15, as we share, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. First Corinthians 5, uh, Paul says something that we don't talk about much because we don't know what to do with it. We come up with all these grand explanations for what it is that he was actually saying. And I'm going to tell you, read it and you'll hear it exactly what he's saying. He says in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. He said, yet I did not mean with the sexually immoral people of the world or with, or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, then, then, since then you would have to go out of the world. And here's what he said. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who was sexually immoral and covetous, an idolater, a reveler, a drunkard or extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. You know, when you read that scripture, you say, well, what's that got to do with grace? Well, the grace in it is that we're not doing it punitively, but we're living a redemptive life that it says that you're not healthy, you're not well, I'm not going to endorse this, I'm not going to speak well of it, but I love you. I love you. You know, there's that balance in Galatians, I think, chapter 6, where it talks about restoring someone who's taken in a sin with humility lest we ourselves be overtaken by a sin. There has to be that humility, and yet Paul's teaching uh, Timothy that there has to be a boldness that speaks the truth when it needs to be spoken into situations, and it might not be liked by everyone. I'll give you an example of it. Paul called Peter out and called him a hypocrite. How many would you know? How many go home nursing some wounds with that one? He called me a hypocrite because we know Peter put on a face when he was with the Jews, and he put on an act when he was with the uh, the Gentiles who came to the faith. You know, Paul was a man of balance, and he wanted Timothy to experience that. The presence or absence of godly influences in our world today is why our world is. Like it is Don't you ever get weary or feel at least a little convicted that as much as we talk about how bad the world is is that we have some level of culpability in it? You say, "Well, how's that?" Think about it. I think about the context of my day-to-day life and how much of Christ is really released into those relationships. You know, it might look different in the workplace. Maybe you can't get up on your desk at work and preach at other people. But, man, the, the best gospel you'll ever deliver is a life that's built upon Christian principles and has walked out in spirit and in truth and love and grace. You know, um, this morning, you can play something light, Joe. You did a great job. I love to hear you guys twang. Uh, I mean, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I don't know what else you call picking or grinning. Uh, the smallest investment of others may be extremely purposeful and instrumental. As we come down to this part, and, um, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. We always grow in relationship with someone or something. And we need as believers in order to live this life well to lift certain things up and life is a series of lifts. When you weep with someone you're investing in them. When you laugh with someone you invest in them. When you celebrate the advancements and the blessings of God and the development of their giftings and abilities with them you are investing sometimes we simply speak a word of correction or a word that might not always be as freely delivered because we don't know how to deliver it but when grace is interwoven in all of it 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 becomes much easier to let it go In the very back of your paper. I don't you don't have to don't have to don't have to fill in anything. But I'm gonna ask you to stand with me if you would this morning. I'm gonna ask you to live smart. You know sometimes I reflect back when I was young and honestly you, you may not believe it and I mean I, I was much bigger than I am now right Rob you remember that 54 jackets and it wasn't all here it was all you know it was some of it was but anyhow just I lifted all the time. I love to lift weights and it wasn't I wasn't into bodybuilding as much as I just like to lift a lot. And uh, I can't do any of that obviously anymore and I don't want to. I gave everything to my son Jonathan so now he can lift his heart out. You know, sometimes we don't lift smart. We just we think there's something there and we just going to run over and grab it and there are a lot of people who have injured their backs because they just ran over and grabbed something and attempted to lift it when really maybe it didn't need to be lifted or maybe they needed to wait until someone else was there to help lift it. The only person in the church that I think probably be qualified to lift uh, a refrigerator by themselves is the this gentleman right there. I've seen him lift washing machines. I, I mean, I've seen him do those things. And, you know, obviously he, he can do it. And if, I, if we ever get into a street fight, I want Whitey on my side. But lift smart, lift for purpose, not lift, lift a focus life. Nehemiah lifted the peoples in, into a vision to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And it says in Nehemiah 4, 6, so he built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. He lifted their focus to a higher task. certain things that we got to lift together, some things that we just need to lift in prayer. But here's one that we need to lift. How many know that God wants us to lift up His name? You know, that's uh, lift up His name. I mean, give it a good old-fashioned shout of praise. And, you know, a Joe said uh, this morning, let's have a shout. I think we should shout. I don't think that it's good not to have a shout. Because we are at war. His name he says, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Come on, church. Can you lift your hands? Your kids need to see that. They need to see that you lift up holy hands before the Lord, hands that are acknowledging God and in surrender. We lift our corporate prayer prayer. 1 Timothy 2.8 desi- desi- uh, he says I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting we've got to lift up our focus we've got to look to Christ because sometimes if we're only focused on the valley and the dark and the death we don't realize that he is near Psalm 121 I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help come on church How many today say, I'm going to lift up my eyes to the the hills of God, to the high places of God, because that's where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I lift up my head and behold the glory of of the King of glory. Psalm 24, 7 says, lift up your hands, O gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The, king, uh, the Lord strong and mighty. Come on, church. The, ki- the Lord strong and mighty. The, uh, the, uh, uh, Paul wanted Timothy to know it wasn't timidity or fear. It's the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. We lift our hands before the Lord in petition. Psalm 28. To you I cry, O Lord, my God, my rock. Uh, uh, do not be silent to me, lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down in the pit. Hear the voice of my supplication. And when I cry to you, when I lift up my hands toward the holy sanctuary, will you lift your hands to the Lord today, the holy sanctuary that transcends, that lifts us higher, that gives us Holy Spirit, life, power that doesn't come from this world or this life. We lift up our, our hands to take hold of the commandments of the Lord. Psalm 119, 48. my hands also I lift up to your commandments which I love and I will meditate on your statutes we lift up our souls to the Lord that we might be filled with Holy Spirit uh, steadfast love Psalm 143 let me hear in the morning your steadfast love for in you I trust uh, make me know the way that I should go for to you I lift up my soul our hands are called to uh, be lifted before the Lord as the army of God Raise, it says, raise a signal flag on a bare hilltop. Call up an army against Babylon. Wave your hands to encourage them. Come on, church. Wave your hands as though to encourage others uh, that they may march into the palaces of kings and the mighty. God, we lift the things that we need to, to lift up, Lord, because when we do that, you come down. Your glory fills this house, fills our lives. The anointing of God replaces the anointing. Facade is burnt away, and integrity of Christ is revealed. Love is born where contempt and legalism Legalism and strife and self-righteousness have reigned Lord God self-righteousness and legalism is not going to reign in my life it's not going to reign in your church Lord it is a life it is a worship building in spirit and in truth and it is a it is a church that is built in grace and truth truth and love inseparable Holy Spirit of the living God fall fresh in this house raise up Timothy's let there be Paul's Lord God who will invest in a relational way Lord that will eat with those who need to have fellowship that will talk in person Lord God not preach all the time but listen and be sensitive to what God is telling us in our conversations with them Lord I pray that young people will not be a threat to us others will not be a threat to us in life, in faith. But then we'll see that God is broadening us and challenging us to be the church powerful and mighty, the holy nation, the royal priesthood, the peculiar people called out. Hallelujah, Lord God. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG Littlestown, Pennsylvania.